You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you can be getting your Bibles open, we're back into the book of Joshua, chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. Once you get there, just flip over to chapter 7, and most of us have little headings at the top of the chapter. It'll, chapter 7, then it'll give you a heading of what this chapter or the, the different sections of that chapter is going to be about. And you'll be reminded that uh, since we had took a little break last Sunday, I, by the way, I appreciated Brother Jet being here. I felt like their family did a great job singing and enjoyed his preaching. It was a real blessing. So we took a little break from Joshua. But a couple weeks ago, we touched on the defeat at AI. You know, I was looking that up tonight. I, I like to listen to different uh, preachers that talk about different subjects and, and read different articles and things about a passage that I'll be reading. And they're telling me the real pronunciation of AI is I. Anybody else ever heard it called I? Yeah. Well, it's AI. <laughs> It's going to be AI till I get into the grave. Now, if it's I when I get to heaven, then we'll change it. How about that? So, um, I heard, actually, I've heard different ones, uh, even those who enunciate properly and all that, call it either way, AI and then I. They say the proper way is I, but we're going with AI tonight. And as you can notice, uh, here's Israel just fresh off a tremendous victory at Jericho. I don't need to remind you of all the breaking down of the walls and just an unbelievable victory that God gave. And so, with listen, guys, with all this momentum, I want to tell you something. Uh, it'd be great for a church to have momentum, and I want that with all my heart. And I want to see us just rolling and moving along for the Lord. There's, that's wonderful, and uh, most everything I can think about concerning momentum is a good thing if you're rolling in the right direction. <laughs> and with just one little turn to the left or the right, you can start mowing people over that were not intended to be mowed over. And if you'll remember, they were on a roll after Jericho. They come to a, a little city like Ai, and uh, they, they go up against it. Just 3,000 of their men said, we'll easily be able to overtake these guys. And of course, you know the story how uh, they, they turned tail and ran, buddy, and 36 of their men were killed because of that. Joshua is on his face weeping and sobbing as uh, would be the right thing to do, and yet God com comes to him and says, what are you doing on your face praying? I've already told you what the problem was. Somebody has touched the accursed thing, told you not to do that before you headed out, and sure enough, and, and of course, God addresses the whole nation of Israel. He said, Israel has sinned, and so one man affected an entire nation, and uh, so he says, you don't need to pray about something that I've already told you what to do about. And so basically get up, take care of the issue. And they did. And as you know, Achan and his family, I'm not certain whether it was just Achan, the dad, that was stoned with all of the possessions that he owned, or if it was Achan and his family. You read the passage like I do. You let me know what you think is the proper interpretation of that. Kind of lean toward it. looks like the whole family was stoned. 
but uh, there's room for it being one or the other. Nonetheless, what a, what a horrible story of a, a man who caused the ruin of an entire nation, a whole group of people. Um, you know, guys, unless we bring it home, it's not going to mean a whole lot to us here tonight. It's just a neat little story to stir our interest a little bit, and then we drive home. But unless we bring that into the house of God tonight and understand how critical it is that you are not an island to yourself, you have an effect on the entire congregation. You really do. And the way you live your life, out on the street, at your home, what you do on your own when nobody else but you and God is, uh, are there uh, will determine a whole lot of what God in many ways can do at the house of God. You'll have an effect on the entire body. So once that was dealt with and taken care of, they made things right. Um, Achan confessed, and, and uh, Israel did what they were supposed to do. Now they're going to go back with their hearts right and try to take over the city of Ai again. And God promises, guys, it'll work. If you follow my plan, it will work. But I'm here to tell you, this is not as easy as it would have been had they just followed through on the initial plan. This is honestly a real struggle. This is a place that should not have been a trip up like it was, but it is tremendously. There's a lot of Christians that are facing these trip ups in their life and can't really seem to get past this one place in their life and really move on and watch God begin to really bless their life. So uh, here's chapter eight, and it's uh, we're going to read several verses. So I want you to stay with me. It's, it'll be like reading through a, a, a Bible story. Uh, but it has a little bit of length to it. Um, I don't apologize for that, but I would ask you to stay with us as intently as you can as we work our way down through uh, Joshua chapter 8. Everybody wide awake? I'll ask you here in just a minute too. All right, as we work our way down through here. Joshua 8 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king, as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof, and the cattle thereof, notice this, guys, shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. You know, i got to get this pause button thing up here working again, but I'm going to hit the pause button there. If Achan had just waited one chapter he could have had so much more than he was trying to steal from god you see that you know how much more they would have gotten in that city than what he stole from jericho just one chapter later guys he could have had he could have had it all so shall you take for a prey unto yourselves notice what he says and here's the instructions lay thee an ambush for the city behind it and he explains that So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor as opposed to the 3,000 they started with earlier and sent them away by night. So they're sneaking off in the dark. And he commanded them saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city even behind the city. They're not even going to know you guys are back there. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. Now sneak up there, sneak up on them, and get behind the city. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass, 
when they come out against us, as at the first, when we first went up to attack them, that we'll flee before them, for they'll come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, listen to this, here's what they'll say. Uh, They flee before us, as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Let's chase them down. In other words, we'll kill them like we did the last time. Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be, when ye have taken the city, that ye shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent for sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush and abode between Bethel and Ai on uh, the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the host that was on the north of the city, and their liars in wait on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it that they hasted and rose up early, and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at a time appointed before the plain, but he wist not that there were liars in ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them. And they pursued after Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel that went not out after Israel. And they left the city open. You see that? Left it wide open and pursued after Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place. And they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand. And they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that way. The people that fled to the wilderness, um, Joshua and all of his men, turned back upon the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew the men of Ai. And the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. And the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness wherein they chased them, And when they were all fallen on the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned unto Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. 
And so it was that all that fell that day, both of men and women, were 12,000, even all the men of Ai. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the cattle and the spoil of that city took Israel took for a prey unto themselves, according unto the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. And Joshua burnt Ai and made it and heap forever, even a desolation unto this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until eventide. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his carcass down from the tree and cast it at the entering of the gate of the city and raise thereon a great heap of stones that remaineth unto this day. Now we'll stop there with, with those verses. I know it's a little bit of a lengthy story, but it's a worthy story for us to read. God has it there in the Word of God. It, uh, it's the life of Joshua, which is what I'm trying to represent in uh, this series to show you the life of a tremendous general that led Israel in a very godly way. <clears throat> so let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into these thoughts here tonight. And again, Lord, um, so grateful to be in the Word of God again tonight, Lord, and just to be reminded of how successful we can be in the Lord when we follow your plan. I pray that you'll lead our hearts tonight. God, help arrest our attention, Lord, and if there's something distracting us away tonight, get us focused back on your Word this evening, and I'll just be grateful to you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I had a Sunday school teacher, his name was Brother West, and uh, <clears throat> he had a way of telling some stories that would really catch your attention and make you think as a little boy, and I was probably second, third grader, I don't remember, pretty young at the time, and Brother West told all of us boys a story I've never forgotten, um, I was all the way up to where I'm at, 63 now, and uh, he told about the time, he said, uh, my family was raised in church, and he said every service we always went to church. And he said, for some reason on a Sunday night, I just did not want to go to church on a Sunday night. I began to beg my mom and dad, and I harassed them, and I begged them to let me just stay home this Sunday night. I'll stay at the house. I, I, I'm not going to go anywhere if I can just stay home tonight. And uh, for some reason, they should have never relented to something like that to a child like him. But they did, and they allowed Brother West to stay home. Rules and guidelines were, I'll stay in the house. I'm not going to go anywhere. So mom and dad head off to church, and he said, they were gone probably 15 or 20 minutes, and he said, I could hear some guys in a field across the street. <clears throat> so he said, I looked out the window, and there was all my friends uh, on that old field that was uh, across the street from my house, he said. They were playing ball, and he said, so I knew I couldn't go anywhere, so I went to the glass door and stared out for a while, and then he said, I opened the glass door and stepped out on the porch for a while. Things are not looking good. And they saw him, and they, they said, I think his name was Billy, Billy, won't you come over and play with us? Uh, come on across the street. No way, I'm not allowed to leave the house. i got to stay in the house. And, uh, and they'd, oh, come on, we need somebody to play. And they named a position out there. With just a few minutes, your mom and dad, will, they, they'll be gone for a long time, and you can play this game with us, and you can go back home after that. No, I, I, I'm not going to do that. What position did you want me to play? And it wasn't much, and he was across the street, and there he was, over there playing ball with the guys. And, uh, man, he was all excited, and he was able to get up to bat. And he said, I hit the ball really far. And he said, I was rounding first base, and I was going to 
I was going to make it to second base, but I knew I was going to have to slide in, or they're going to tag me out. And it was in an old, you know, just an old field where all kinds of junk and things were. And he said, uh, we'd thrown a bucket or something down for second base. And uh, he said, I slid in knee first into second base, and I was safe. Except when I slid into second base, he said, an old broken bottle was laying there, and I drove the bottle into my knee as I slid into second base. The mom and dad of the boys that were playing ball, he said, um, took me to the hospital and got stitches in my knee. And of course, guess who came up to the hospital to see me after church was out? My mom and dad. And he said they didn't have to say a word. That just that one look, I told you not to leave the house. And the story is, you know, he could pull his pant leg up and show us that ugly scar, even as a grown man now, on his knee. And I remembered that story, and I thought, you know, everybody seems to have an AI. That's an ugly reminder of something that they just wish, man, I'd have never, wish I'd have never gone through that place in my life. Uh, and yet, at the same time, I've also heard others say, uh, I really, I'm kind of glad I went through that because God taught me a real valuable lesson about, you know, doing things the way I want to do them as opposed to following the hand of God in my life and being obedient to the Lord. Every one of us have different AIs in our lives, places where we learn those valuable lessons about life. And Joshua definitely does the same thing here tonight. Can we look at some of those lessons here this evening? First of all, it's a long chapter. I can't draw from everything in this chapter, but I'll give you the, some of the, the uh, larger things that stand out to me tonight. Uh, I want you to notice that sometimes when you're gaining a victory over a sin, you, you've, uh, you've done something wrong. I mean, it, there's an AI in your life. You disobeyed. You left your house, you went into the field across the street, you went into places you should, should never have been, and you know that, you had no doubt about it, God's word was very clear about what you should and should not be doing, but now your heart's right, you've repented and asked God's forgiveness. Uh, many times to come out of that place where I had been disobedient to God, I've got forgiveness, but to make my life right and to get all my circumstances turned back around, I just want to tell you that sometimes that involves walking through a valley that may not seem so pleasant at the time. For instance, if you look back into our story here tonight and look in verse 11 again, we're in chapter 8, drop down there into verse 11, and let me just show you what we're talking about here. He said, and all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now, there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they'd set the people, even all the host that was on the north of the city and their liars in wait on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And you say, now preacher, that's just a geographical description in the Bible of what uh, you know, the, the place looked like and, and how it was. And I would have to agree with you a lot of times you try to take a little bit from a passage of scripture and you're stretching it somewhat to try to make it fit what you think is uh, would make a great point for maybe a person's sermon. I do agree with that, but I will tell you tonight, it is so fitting when you stop and look at that. I mean, if you'll forgive me for continually saying this, 
But at this time, there's still 36 families who don't have a brother or a father, a husband that's going to come home for the night. And, and that city, that nation is still grieving over the sin that has affected an entire nation. And they're still in a valley. Really and truly, they are. And their heart is in a, in a very deep, dark place in their lives this night. And, and while God has assured them, you, you know, I'm going to give you the victory over this, they thought the same thing the first time they went out against AI. And who knows what's going through the heart and the mind of the people who are now trying to get their lives on track and back in line, though God has forgiven them, who are trying to get their lives back right with God. Many times, guys, when you're trying to come back in fellowship with the Lord, and, and now things are right, I'm just telling you, many times it's passing over that valley to get it back up onto the high point in your life where God would want you to be. You have to be willing to walk through that valley. So if they were to have the victory, the valley has to be crossed. Notice it was nighttime when he entered the valley. And it was. Uh, we read about that here. Um, they drew nigh, went, uh, went up in uh, the dark, and that's how the ambush worked so good. They came in behind because it was nighttime. And certainly we can all look back to those places in our lives. You can, you can stop and try to relate to Billy West, can't you? I mean, don't all of us have those times? Might have been not that too very long ago in your adult life where you wandered into places where Christians ought not to be, uh, and I don't mean necessarily even geographically, but places in your heart and mind that you have been allowing yourself to go into those places, and you've tried to make it right with God, and here you are trying to, trying to come out. All of us probably can relate back to times in our lives where we have fallen into some sin in some area. We were just trying to get things right with God, but it seemed like we were in such a dark valley at that time. And it was, it was dismal and discouraging. And it just seemed like it didn't matter where I was, the Christians I seemed to associate with. I just seemed to be in the darkness of a valley for some reason. Just remember, guys, a valley is something to cross over. It's not intended by God to be the place where we live. God certainly uses valleys in the Christian life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. But I do want you to remember one of the most important words in that verse is, is the word through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God said, I'll, I'll walk with you through the fire. And when you come through the water, he describes uh, some of that wording in the Old Testament, how Christians will be walking through some deep places in life. Somebody said one of their favorite verses was, and I use it often myself, and it came to pass. And those things do come to pass. And they are sometimes a real dark place in our life. And to be honest, I don't enjoy giving testimony about those kinds of things. It's not something I, I have stood in this pulpit and given you some testimony about some things that have happened and things I've done in my Christian life. I felt like God was leading me to, to be willing to share uh, my heart in a transparent way in an effort to try to get somebody not to walk in those areas and in those ways. They're not... They're not fun places in our lives, but God can use those to bring us out of a place where we're in a, a great fellowship with the Lord. Psalm 30 and verse 5, for his, his anger endureth but for a moment, praise the Lord, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. 
And it might be nighttime at, at some point in your life. You might be there tonight, I don't know, uh, some valley that you're trying to get out of, and it's just so dark and dismal, and the enemy is still behind us, ready to come pouncing out of the city like they did before. I know God told me that we have the victory in this, but why doesn't it make me feel any better than I do right now? You and I have read uh, the end of the story here tonight, and we know that Joshua led his people on across the valley. And we know because we can read the story. They, they took the city, and they did gain the victory, and the valley only became a memory to them, a thing of the past, praise the Lord. Now we're reading about it as, as history. I mean, they've, they've already taken it, and victory is already theirs. We've got to remember that victory stands on the other side of the valley. It really does. And guys, there is another side to the valley. You're not going to be where you're at continually. But God does something in that valley that cannot be done on a mountaintop. There's work that God does in your heart in that valley. There's crying out to God. There's, there's honing on my soul. There's reshaping of who I am and my thoughts and my plans and my vision for life or whatever it might be in that valley that cannot happen when I'm on the mountaintop rejoicing. I just don't see things from the same point of view. And I don't pray in the same way uh, that I do when I'm in a valley. Man, I'm telling you, the closest I've ever been to God in my life was when I was flat on my face, my face buried in the carpet in our living room. And the deepest, darkest valley I have ever been in in my life up to that point. I knew God was with me. And I knew God was working in my heart. I wanted to be out of that place really bad. I didn't enjoy where I was, but I knew God was meeting with me. And I pray when I'm on the mountaintop. I have great times with the Lord. I, I get out and walk, and I have fellowship with God, and I, I still continue to do that. But I'm never so close to God. And more gets done in my life in a valley than in any other, any other place in my life. God does something there. Remember David and Goliath? If you remember, Israel was lined up on one side. Over on the other side was uh, all the Philistines. And what was between them, guys? Remember that? It was a deep valley. And there was a young boy that understood, if I'm going to have victory, if I'm going to take the head off of that giant, i got to go down through the valley first. And little David was willing to do so. And he trekked down through that valley in obedience to God, like Joshua in obedience to the Lord that night picked up five smooth stones and got to the other side of the valley. And once he started tipping back up on the other side, he drove a stone into the head of his enemy. And Israel won their battle that day. You know that tremendous story. Just remember, guys, sometimes the path to victory leads us across a valley. I'm sure it would not be a valley of your choosing. I'm sure you'd rather choose some other way, some other method. But God uses valleys of darkness in our life in a very positive way. Number two, some other lessons you learn about crossing the street when you shouldn't have gone across the street and you should have been obedient to your mom and dad and now you're standing up telling the Sunday school story to your kids. What are some other lessons that can be learned from, uh, from the AIs tonight? Number two, victory always requires proper positioning. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, in our story tonight, God told Joshua 
to position a, a certain number of men. Where were they supposed to go, guys? They were supposed to go over in behind the city, the city of Ai. And it, it was a very strategic move. God knew the overconfidence that Ai was going to have uh, in their own abilities. They, they remember, all they can remember is here comes that nation of Israel that everybody's told us. They've, they're wiping everything out in front of them. And, uh, and now here they are at us. And, and, uh, and let's just give it our best, guys. And they took off and Israel took off running. And now they're very, very confident that we can do the same thing. Overconfidence. He knew they would come running out after the Israelites the moment they saw them. And he knew their overconfidence was going to cause them to act irrational and in an unwise way. And it sure worked to a T. You read the story like I did. Man, it's one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. If you're a young man, it's just encouraging to read that. The whole city came out after them, leaving the doors of the city wide open and very vulnerable. And it was easy picking for Israel. They ran in. You heard you, what I read. Uh, they set the city on fire. Uh, and then both factions converged, uh, you know, Joshua and his men. And then the, the ambush that was inside the city setting it on fire began to close in and wrap around the enemy. And it was a remarkable victory. Would you agree with me? That's a tremendous story. But would you also agree with me it happened because they were positioned in the exact spot that they needed to be at that time in their life? And if they had been disobedient to any of the commands of God and decided, I'll I'll go where I want to go, I think a better plan might be this. I don't want to go in behind the city. I I think a better spot's over here on this little hillside where I can run downhill and, and get to them quicker or whatever somebody might decide to try to work up in their mind. But No, these men were exactly obedient to where they were told to go and in the manner they were told to do so. And once they came running in um, and they were positioned in the proper place, they had the tremendous victory. So what's it have to do with me tonight? I am very fully convinced that there are certain positions God wants us placed in in our walk with him. There are exact spots where God wants you to be. Sometimes it makes perfect sense to you. And you're like, man, that, that's, that's going to work great. I, I can see how this plan is going to work. You know why you like that plan? Because you can understand that. It kind of runs alongside of your plans. Sometimes the position God places you in is a position that makes no sense to you. I mean, come on, really? Walk around the walls of Jericho? for uh, seven days and then seven times and the walls are going to come tumbling down really I, I mean humanly speaking that doesn't sound right but if that's what God tells me to do I'm going to position myself where God tells me to go and be obedient to God's word and when those people were obedient and were in the right position in life really and truly the enemy was easily wiped out it was according to the plan of God we got to follow his positioning While I was in Bible college, you've heard this many times, but when I went to Bible college, honestly, I just knew that I had surrendered my life to God. I didn't know what God wanted to do with my life. Uh, At that time, I, I didn't care what God wanted to do with my life. I was willing to do whatever that was. But I did not know the day I graduated and they handed me my diploma. I stepped down from the platform, not a clue in my mind where I was gonna be going even after I graduated. 
it made, it made no sense to me. But I do know this, when I got to Bible college and I'm, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what classes I'm going to take and, and uh, what I was going to pursue while I was there at college, um, I told them, I said, I'm just a little unsure on what I'm going to be doing. And they said, well, why don't you start off with a Christian education minor, which was really like the major there, okay? The Bible was the major and whatever you were going to work toward was your minor. Um, so I, I, okay, I'll do that. And I took Christian ed- education for two years, but I started talking to some of the other guys and the other uh, pastoral majors that were there, and they were telling me about the classes they were taking, and the, the Bible classes were so interesting, and I'm like, you know, I'm two years into this. I know this looks foolish. I'm going to swap majors or my minors. I'm going to take, take pastoral studies, and I did. Second half of my uh, education was pastoral and I know, I'll be honest with you, I'd go to bed at night and I, and I felt like, you know, one of those guys who just couldn't keep his mind made up and always flopped around on thoughts. But it just seemed like that's what God had led me to do. And then I come to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And what did I do for the first five years of my life? I, five years in Christian education. And after that, God moved me into the position of the pastorate. I just want to tell you, God knows where you need to be, whether it makes sense to you or not. You fit his position. He makes no mistake. God has no trouble whatsoever trying to help me to understand what I'm supposed to do. It was so clear to me. Changed from uh, Christian ed to pastoral studies. And, uh, and, and to get into that position, guys, you just have to listen to the voice of God. If you just turn to the Lord, God will talk to you. Look, go back to verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 8. And it shall be when uh, ye have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire according to what? The commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I've commanded you. God just clearly spoke to them. And when God speaks, it's clear. You know what God wants the most out of us tonight, guys? just be faithful. You be faithful where you are, whatever position you're in, unless God is nudging and moving you very clearly on, you be faithful where you are. You're in the position that he wants. God's going to do great things. Whether you term or deem them great things or not, God's going to do great things in the position that God has you right now. Let him use you in, in that manner. So you got to listen to the voice of God. God sometimes speaks in a still small voice, but he still speaks very clearly and be sensitive to his leadership. And we, we must not allow other things to speak more loudly to us than God's direction is for our lives. Please be willing to be in the position God wants you. Um, I have one last point, but let me just ask you this tonight. Do you know that you are in the position you're supposed to be in do you know that without doubt are you letting him if he's nudging and pushing and trying to lead are you bucking and kind of uh, begrudgingly wanting your way are you letting God lead you fully please be sure you're in the right position and let God lead you um, in whatever ministry or in whatever shape or form that God wants to lead you tonight please be sure to do so What's another lesson you can learn at at your AIs? Lastly, 
Victory over AI requires casting down its confidence or its strength. Um, Proverbs 21-22 tells us that a wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. So once the men of the city left it wide open and Israel set it on fire, somebody turned around and noticed the smoke was rising up and they realized their stronghold had been taken. The great city of Ai that they could always run back to and be safe has now been taken down. It's being destroyed. And their heart and their confidence just left them. And they were basically defenseless. And it was an easy victory after that. They took the king of the city. Do you remember that? I, I, I tried to kind of slow down and emphasize some wordings as we were going through there. But did you notice they took the king of Ai alive and they brought him over to Joshua. Wonder what Joshua is going to do with the king of the city. All right. So they took the king of the city, brought him to Joshua. And then what does Joshua do with that king? He eventually hangs him. The strength, the leader of the city of Ai is finally wiped out. Not played around with, not brought to sit around the, the dinner table with you. Wiped out. So look how that ties in, guys, and where you can, you can lose your place here in Joshua. Just go over with me to one passage of Scripture. We'll be done with this. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. So remember, if you will, as we head into these two verses, um, <clears throat> the king of the city that was their whole problem, Ai, was finally wiped out. The head, the master, if you want to put it that way, the one that gave strength and confidence to the people was finally, the last one, was wiped out. Now look in um, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. You can read 3. Let's look at 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Please grasp this, guys. This is really big for us. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Key wording here and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now let me just share this, and then we're going to have prayer, and we're going to have an invitation. So <clears throat> here's a city that was the major trip up for them. This is the place where we lost the lives of 36 men. A nation is in mourning because of what we did so wrong here, but now their hearts are made right with God. They've repented. Uh, the one who caused the, the, the evil in the camp has been dealt with in the manner that God told them to do so. But they're in a valley, and they're trying to come back out of that. They want to be back on the mountaintop, and they want to be uh, victorious with the Lord. Um, but guys, there's still one man left, and he is the king of the city. He's like the strength of the confidence of that, of that city. 
And, if, and, and I know other kings of Israel that took the enemy kings and brought them to their table and made them friends. And it was their downfall because of that. But God was very clear to Joshua. These, God knew, the, by the way, the, the nation of Ai, the people of Ai were a wicked people. If you knew how they were living their lives in contrast to God, how God wanted the world to live, uh, you would understand exactly why God wanted the entire city wiped out. So they come bringing the, the king of Ai, and they bring him before Joshua, and Joshua looks at that king, and he knows and he understands this is the one reason why our nation has fallen. You are the representation of everything uh, to why our 36 men were slain, because of the strength of this king right here. And he knows this man has to be wiped out. And so Joshua hangs the man and kill, uh, has his life taken away from him. Now, in your Christian walk with God, there's some really big things at work in your life that have tripped you up time and time again. And how many times have you gone down into some valley to try to come back out of the valley to stand back up on the mountain and be able to serve God in victory before, uh, again and again? That uh, We've done that many times. And many of us have things that work in our lives that I would call them strongholds that work against us on a regular, daily, in some cases a moment-by-moment basis. Things that are hard for the Christian. Things that we struggle with and many times we were tripped up right there. And what does the Bible tell us that we must do with those strongholds in our life? Every day and many times a day, I go before the Lord. I've done it many times this day. It could be a thought that runs through my mind that is, is somehow, some way contrary to the Word of God. And I can go into numbers of ways thoughts are contrary to the Word of God. You know what yours are. I know what mine are. I don't know where they come from. It can, it can happen to me uh, sitting on the chair here ready to come up and preach and a, a wicked thought would go through my mind. I might see something. I, I may hear of a circumstance. I may be out driving on the street and things come to me. And it's an opportunity to be an AI in my life. And I have a decision to be made right then and there. Am I going to walk out of my house and go across the street and play ball with the guys or am I going to stay where I was told I was supposed to be? Am I going to stay in the position that I know is right for me to be as a, as a man of God, as a Christian? And I make this decision consciously dozens of times a day. I instantly say to God, I cannot handle this. I immediately turn this over to you. God, I'm bringing captive this thought to you. I can't handle this. I give this to you. It could be a lustful thought. It could be an angered thought. It could be a, a thought of jealousy or any number of things. But when that stronghold tries to take me down, I have found that when I cast down the strength of the confidence of those things that work against me, I bring it to God and say, God, you have to take this. Sometimes I name it and I tell him what it is, although he knows what it is. I can't handle this. Please, God, I bring it captive to you. And I turn back around and I go on to serve the Lord. God gives me a victory in that every time. And I, I, I'm just saying tonight, you have to learn how to cast down the strength of the confidence of those things that work against you. Uh, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can live in victory every day every moment of your life. You can live a victorious Christian life and go on from here tonight happy and serving God and thankful that, yes, God, thank you for the valley. Now I'm ready to be on the other side in, in victory again here tonight. You can do that if you'll be willing to cast down those things in your life that are so at work against our walk 
with the Lord. Why don't we just bow our heads here tonight, if you would. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.